Chapters thirteen and fourteen of Ward Number Six by Anton Chekhov, translated by Constance Garnett, eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter thirteen. A week later, it was suggested to Andrey Yefimitch that he should have a rest, that is, send in his resignation. A suggestion he received with indifference and a week later still mihail avryanitch and he were sitting in a posting carriage driving to the nearest railway station the days were cool and bright with a blue sky and a transparent distance they were two days driving the hundred and fifty miles to the railway station and stayed two nights on the way when at the posting station the glasses given them for their tea had not been properly washed or the drivers were slow in harnessing the horses mihail avryanitch would turn crimson and quivering all over would shout hold your tongue don't argue and in the carriage he talked without ceasing for a moment describing his campaigns in the caucasus and in poland what adventures he had had what meetings he talked loudly and opened his eyes so wide with wonder that he might well be thought to be lying moreover as he talked he breathed in andrey yefimitch's face and laughed into his ear this bothered the doctor and prevented him from thinking or concentrating his mind in the train they travelled from motives of economy third class in a non-smoking compartment half the passengers were decent people mihail avryanitch soon made friends with everyone and moving from one seat to another kept saying loudly that they ought not to travel by these appalling lines it was a regular swindle a very different thing riding on a good horse one could do over seventy miles a day and feel fresh and well after it and our bad harvests were due to the draining of the pinsk marshes altogether the way things were done was dreadful he got excited talked loudly and would not let others speak this endless chatter to the accompaniment of loud laughter and expressive gestures wearied andrey yefimitch which of us is the madman he thought with vexation i who try not to disturb my fellow-passengers in any way or this egoist who thinks that he is cleverer and more interesting than anyone here and so will leave no one in peace in moscow mikhail avryanitch put on a military coat without epaulettes and trousers with red braid on them he wore a military cap and overcoat in the street and soldiers saluted him it seemed to andrey yefimitch now that his companion was a man who had flung away all that was good and kept only what was bad of all the characteristics of a country gentleman that he had once possessed he liked to be waited on even when it was quite unnecessary the matches would be lying before him on the table and he would see them and shout to the waiter to give him the matches he did not hesitate to appear before a maid-servant in nothing but his underclothes he used the familiar mode of address to all footmen indiscriminately even old men and when he was angry called them fools and blockheads this andrey yefimitch thought was like a gentleman but disgusting first of all mihail averyanitch led his friend to the iversky madonna he prayed fervently shedding tears and bowing down to the earth and when he had finished heaved a deep sigh and said even though one does not believe it makes one somehow easier when one prays a little kiss the icon my dear fellow andrey yefimitch was embarrassed and he kissed the image while mihail avryanitch pursed up his lips and prayed in a whisper and again tears came into his eyes then they went to the kremlin and looked there at the tsar cannon and the tsar bell and even touched them with their fingers admired the view over the river 
visited St. Saviour's in the Rumyatsov Museum. They dined at Tietsov's. Mihail Averyanitch looked a long time at the menu, stroking his whiskers, and said in the tone of a gourmand accustomed to eat in restaurants, We shall see what you give us to eat today, angel. Chapter 14 The doctor walked about, looked at things, ate and drank, but he had all the while one feeling, annoyance with Mihail Averyanitch. He longed to have a rest from his friend, to get away from him, to hide himself, while the friend thought it was his duty not to let the doctor move a step away from him, and to provide him with as many distractions as possible. When there was nothing to look at, he entertained him with conversation. For two days Andrey Yefimitch endured it, but on the third he announced to his friend that he was ill and wanted to stay at home for the whole day. His friend replied that in that case he would stay too, that really he needed rest, for he was run off his legs already. Andrey Yefimitch lay on the sofa with his face to the back, and clenching his teeth listened to his friend, who assured him with heat that sooner or later France would certainly thrash Germany, that there were a great many scoundrels in Moscow, and that it was impossible to judge of a horse's quality by its outward appearance. The doctor began to have a buzzing in his ears and palpitations of the heart, but out of delicacy could not bring himself to beg his friend to go away or hold his tongue. Fortunately, Mihail Averyanitch grew weary of sitting in the hotel room, and after dinner he went out for a walk. As soon as he was alone, Andrey Yefimitch abandoned himself to a feeling of relief. How pleasant to lie motionless on the sofa and to know that one is alone in the room. Real happiness is impossible without solitude. The fallen angel betrayed God, probably, because he longed for solitude, of which the angels know nothing. Andrey Yefimitch wanted to think about what he had seen and heard during the last few days, but he could not get Mikhail Avryanitch out of his head. Why, he has taken a holiday and come with me out of friendship, out of generosity, thought the doctor with vexation. Nothing could be worse than this friendly supervision. I suppose he is good-natured and generous and a lively fellow, but he is a bore, an insufferable bore. In the same way there are people who never say anything but what is clever and good, yet one feels that they are dull-witted people. For the following days Andrey Yefimitch declared himself ill and would not leave the hotel room. He lay with his face to the back of the sofa and suffered agonies of weariness when his friend entertained him with conversation, or rested when his friend was absent. He was vexed with himself for having come, and with his friend, who grew every day more talkative and more free and easy. He could not succeed in attuning his thoughts to a serious and lofty level. This is what I get from the real life Ivan Dmitritch talked about, he thought, angry at his own pettiness. It's of no consequence, though. I shall go home, and everything will go on as before. It was the same thing in Petersburg, too. For whole days together he did not leave the hotel room, but lay on the sofa and only got up to drink beer. Mikhail Avryanitch was all haste to get to Warsaw. My dear man, what should I go there for, said Andrey Yefimitch, in an imploring voice. You go alone and let me get home, I entreat you. On no account, protested Mikhail Avryanitch, it's a marvellous town. Andrey Yefimitch had not the strength of will to insist on his own way, and much against his inclination went to Warsaw. There he did not leave the hotel room, but lay on the sofa, furious with himself, with his friend, and with the waiters, who obstinately refused to understand Russian, while Mikhail Avryanitch, healthy, hearty, and full of spirits as usual, 
went about the town from morning to night, looking for his old acquaintances. Several times he did not return home at night. After one night spent in some unknown haunt, he returned home early in the morning in a violently excited condition, with a red face and tousled hair. For a long time he walked up and down the rooms, muttering something to himself, then stopped and said, Honour before everything. After walking up and down a little longer, he clutched his head in both hands and pronounced in a tragic voice, Yes, honour before everything. Accursed be the moment when the idea first entered my head to visit this Babylon. My dear friend, he added, addressing the doctor, you may despise me. I have played and lost. Lend me five hundred roubles. Andrey Yefimitch counted out five hundred roubles and gave them to his friend without a word. The latter, still crimson with shame and anger, incoherently articulated some useless vow, put on his cap and went out. Returning two hours later, he flopped into an easy chair, heaved a loud sigh and said, My honour is saved. Let us go, my friends. I do not care to remain another hour in this accursed town. Scoundrels, Austrian spies. By the time the friends were back in their own town, it was November, and deep snow was lying in the streets. Dr. Hobomov had Andrey Yefimitch's post. He was still living in his old lodgings, waiting for Andrey Yefimitch to arrive and clear out of the hospital apartments. The plain woman, whom he called his cook, was already established in one of the lodges. Fresh scandals about the hospital were going the round of the town. It was said that the plain woman had quarrelled with the superintendent, and that the latter had crawled on his knees before her, begging forgiveness. On the first day he arrived, Andrey Yefimitch had to look out for lodgings. My friend, the postmaster said to him timidly, excuse an indiscreet question. What means have you at your disposal? Andrey Yefimitch, without a word, counted out his money and said, eighty-six roubles. I don't mean that, Mikhail Avrianitch brought out in confusion, misunderstanding him. I mean, what have you to live on? I tell you, eighty-six roubles. I have nothing else. Mikhail Avrianitch looked upon the doctor as an honourable man, yet he suspected that he had accumulated a fortune of at least twenty thousand. Now learning that Andrey Yefimitch was a beggar, that he had nothing to live on, he was for some reason suddenly moved to tears and embraced his friend. End of chapter 14 Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine